Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Hooligan Report. I'm your host, as always, SM, and with me this week, we've got the lovely Cookson. Welcome all to episode uh, six. Seven, I believe. Seven of this humble podcast. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, and we've also got World Cup 22 along. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good evening. And uh, no more. Uh, the World Cup's over, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, that saga comes to an end, but we've got the Premier League to look forward to just a month away, exactly a month uh, as of today. So it comes around quickly again. Um, yeah. How did you guys find the final? Very cagey. Very tight. Like, I was watching it with some mates. We were all supporting Germany. Don't know why. Just no, but yeah, we found it tight and cagey. And you wouldn't think like I'm not German by any means, but I felt tense during that game. I was I was watching it as uh, an Argentinian supporter, so I was also. <laughs> they had a few decent chances early on. I suppose you got the offside goal that was right out, um, and Higuain had that chance where he got played in by was it Cruz, I believe. That I the header. Was- yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of tension from both sides, I think. And as we were saying last week, it seems the way with the finals in recent times, they get quite cagey. Yeah, World Cup finals have been like that, and like I think someone mentioned, there's only there's been very few goals in the last three World Cup finals. Well, yeah, only what two goals, both in extra time. Um, yeah, I, they actually they had a replay of the um, the Spain Netherlands game. Might have been uh, the next day, I believe, on SBS, and very similar sort of game in the way that the goal was quite late in the game, and yeah, um, you know, Holland towards the end of extra time. Holland missed a good chance as well. Ruben missed a, a, an easy chance in in the um, in that match as well. So very similar as in Higuain missed it. Yeah, well, absolutely. Just instead of a Dutchman kicking the Spaniard in the heart, we had Argentinians deciding to use Bastian Schweinsteiger as a personal kicking machine. <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he spent more time on the ground than he did uh, running around the field, didn't he? he yeah. He, uh, was quite... And how about um, uh, Kramer? You know, it had a uh, very swing of wide swing of emotions in the late... The late call up to start the game and then injured after what thirty minutes. Yeah, that was that was a bit unfortunate, and, and Kadira as well. Yeah. So no, it's quite interesting. I mean, I guess the main thing to talk about uh, in terms of the game is is the goal because it was actually it was quite a stunning goal to win the World Cup. Um, and I, I, I found it quite interesting the comments as he, as Goetze was coming onto the field, he was told, you know, go out there and be better than Messi, which I suppose, given Messi's track record in the uh, knockout stages, hasn't been tremendous. It's not too difficult to do that, but <laughs> it's it a quite decent goal to win the World Cup. You've got to say. Yeah, beautiful chest down volley control and just I mean you're 22 you've done that and then well he probably won't have to buy a beer in Bavaria for the rest of his life <laughs> and, <laughs> and his missus came on the field afterwards as well yep and he'll probably have something else to be remembered for other than the embarrassing photo of Mario Gosa having a bit of a stiffy John cock in his head yeah. <laughs> I actually saw that photo for the first time after the match so um uh so a mate showed me the photo, and I was more focused on his on his misses than necessarily what he had going on downstairs. So, Swansteig's misses. Now there's a proper girl. <laughs> oh, they do it right over in Germany. I think it was uh, Draxler as well got his misses out on the field, and she she wasn't too bad looking either. Um, where where do you rate that goal in terms of um, you know moments in World Cup finals? Is it is it, it has to be up there with you know as memorable moments go? Yeah, one of the one of the best, definitely. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I've only seen how many World Cup finals have I? I've seen from I've watched everyone from '94 onwards, and and um, look, it's probably up there with Sudan's two goals in '98. Just yeah. the way it scored. 
but moments is probably very memorable for a German. I mean, well, let's have a look at all the f- famous World Cup moments. You got the headbutt, the kicking. Yeah, no, that's, that's the thing. I was, I was mainly thinking <laughs> yeah. as, as, as far as moments go. Yeah. Baggio's miss. I mean, you got the Dutch. Oh, you got the phantom goal by England in '66. And you got the Dutch scoring after a minute or about a minute and seventy. Four subs, probably up there. The rest of them. I mean, there's typically only one World Cup moment in the final, and Goethe has it. He'll always have it for the rest of his life and for the rest of footballing history. How about Germany's record? They haven't made less than the quarterfinals since 1950. 1950, I think. Yes. Very impressive record, and I think that begs the question: Shall we? Where do we see this German side going over the next four, eight, twelve years? I mean. Um, obviously, they'll have a lot of turnover, but the way that the system seems to be set up in Germany these days is just seems to be, you know, churning out constant success. And you know, do you guys reckon maybe we'll have a bit of a German dynasty on our hands? I probably think that German football, German style football, has probably overtaken Spanish football as the go-to method in terms of well, it's kind of a hybrid between tiki-taka and traditional counter-attack, but it just it works. But I reckon so. I mean, Germans. I probably have the best club team in the in the world with Bayern Munich. They got damn fine talents coming through. He was still quite young. I mean, talking about 18, 18, 19, 20 year olds. I mean, who was the old people in that group? It was really what Mercer Saka and Kostler. Yeah, really. Um, and Podolski. Podolski. And, yeah. and the scary thing is, when you've got guys like Draxler who doesn't even get much game time, and you think he's. What, <laughs> How old track story is only what twenty one or something, isn't yeah, it? They could be the new Spain, I think, from two thousand and eight to two thousand and twelve. They could be the new Spain. Yeah. yeah, that that's that's my thinking. I mean, um, Spain obviously had that tremendous period of yeah, uh, two Euros and a World Cup, um, and you could kind of see this German team replicating that. We need to start looking for German players. Any of them got a drop of Australian blood? Yeah, ship them over. Well, I think that's the great thing. Um, we were saying, saying a few weeks ago in terms of A-League players, a lot of them going over to Germany. I think that's a really smart move for them because obviously the German system is really good at developing these younger-style players. Um, and if we can get that German game plan ingrained in our players, then maybe that'll do them the world of good. Well, the best thing is that they, they, uh, they're focused on discipline over there, the Germans. They, they don't do, you know what I mean? They, um, they're just consistent. and They don't have a dart in a swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> They don't have fight, they don't fight amongst each other, they just get the job done. And if you can teach that into our players from a young age, they'll become, they'll become really good players. Um, it's, sorry, Cookson. Oh, well, all I'm thinking is this, we find some good German ladies, we get <laughs> our players over, we, I'm not suggesting this, this is putting this theory out here, but, you know, they do, they, they procreate, we get some babies, we train them up to be super athletes, and we win a World Cup. I mean. It's easy as that, isn't it? Yep. Was it, um, uh, what's his name? Craig Foster came out and said that we should be aiming to win a World Cup by, was it 2054 or something? Is that a World Cup year? Yeah, he's, he's, uh, Foster's a bit delusional, I think. Yeah, oh, it's very amusing to read how how specific he thought about it, but just following on from Cookson's idea, if we can get, you know, get, get the, get the women popping out some babies now, they'd be ready in about 18 to 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Greece won a, well, Greece won a Euro, I mean. We could win a World Cup. I mean, we just need to put the right, implement the right structures. Well, exactly. You know, crazier things have happened. Um, but getting back to the game, I guess the other major talking point post-final was uh, Messi being announced as the winner of the Golden Ball. Um, 
Splatter has come out and said that perhaps the voting process needs to be looked at a little bit, and that he was surprised to see Messi walking up on the podium. Absolutely. I've heard the suggestion that maybe it was to save on airfares to get the other um, contenders back from the eliminated sides, but who do you guys reckon should have got the golden ball? Um, what, you, you can perhaps say James should have got it? Muller, I think. Muller? I think Robin. My personal opinion, I mean, Robin was just magnificent for the Dutch. I mean, oh, him too, yeah. He was their main creator of Albert. He was... I dare I say, but he's probably the third best player in the world behind the big two. Don't rate Ribery or um, Suarez. Suarez is excellent, but I just, I don't know, just rather have Robin because, well, I mean, I don't know, just something about left foot and being Dutch. I guess it's just <laughs> something about Robin just makes me probably work for in terms of Man United, but just he's been a he's been performing high class for numerous years and up. I think he was probably the best player of this World Cup. I think in trying to understand why they gave it to Messi, you look at the fact that he dragged them out of the groups, uh, and even though he didn't score in the knockouts, he obviously assisted for Di Maria against um, Switzerland. Uh, and he, he was obviously their focal point and did a lot for the team, but I don't think that's necessarily... And obviously he's the, you know, the greatest player in the world at the moment. Um, where, you know, people, people would probably say, I mean, you could argue Ronaldo perhaps, but obviously they thought it would... I don't know. I get the sense that there was a lot going on in terms of giving Messi that award beyond just the way he performed at the World Cup, which necessar- not necessarily is the way it should go. You didn't look too happy to receive it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think you would have happily traded that in for a World Cup medal. But how, how, yeah, how about that? 120th minute, script is written for um, a Messi free-kick screamer to send it to penalties, and it wasn't to be. I suppose pressure affects even the highest class of the highest class, but... Yeah, it's just, again, you probably do expect him to do better, but that's pressure. Yeah, he didn't really deliver when, um, when, the, when that pressure was on. Um, but I mean, there was, uh, there was a bit too much on his shoulders probably as well, I yeah, thought. because I found Argentina's attack to be quite lackluster. I mean, their defense, like, we thought that their defense would be a bit sus, but it was, and their attack brilliant, but it was quite the inverse. I mean. Really solid, yeah. They were hard to, hard to score against. Like, Mascarano was, Probably another contender for the goal ball. He was immense in the center, in the defensive midfield. I mean, Garay, Romero was quite good. It's just, like, we probably did laugh at them a couple of weeks ago, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the thing, like, Romero was the one that really surprised me because I was having a bit of a laugh at him at, in, during the group stage. And obviously he's come out and got them through to the final on the, in the penalty shootout, which is quite impressive. Um, and yeah, I, I think the point has to be made that, yeah, they had, Probably one of the best attacks going into the World Cup, and they ended up probably having a stronger defence than their attack. Well, you look at Aguero. Aguero was um, not fit. He'd been um, in and out all season, and, and he probably shouldn't have been there almost. He was That's nowhere near fit enough to play in the World Cup final. But I don't understand why he went. Really, I mean, I know he's a great player, Matt, but he's just—he clearly wasn't fit this World yeah. Cup. Was it? Was it you suggesting that they should have taken Tevez? Uh, World yeah. Cup? yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, or well maybe Tevez. Yeah, well, because when you look at the fact that Higuain, I mean, yeah, he scored against Belgium, but he also probably had a pretty disappointing World Cup. They they were a bit bereft of attacking options in the end. Yeah, too ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> which was yeah quite quite strange to consider at the end of the day. But maybe it was the the problem that we highlighted, which was that they had too many options, and it's really hard to sort of settle on a formation that really suits most of them. Yeah. Oh well, they'll um they'll they'll come they'll uh, be back for 2018. I think they'll have a decent team. Well, that was, the, that was my uh, next question, is do you guys see Messi uh, performing well at the next World Cup? Because he's, he's, what, 27 now, so he'd be 30, 31 at the next World Cup? 
Yeah, I think he'll do well. I think Argentina will do well, and that'll be his last World Cup. Be last chance, sort of last chance to uh, really stamp his name in the history books, I suppose, because he um, he doesn't have the international acclaim that someone like Maradona has, I don't think. Um, so as well as he's done it in his club career, maybe he still has something to prove. That's probably all club v country debate. I mean, well, I mean, he's probably been form's been unparalleled in club level. I mean, the only one that's gotten close to him is Ronaldo in terms of modern day players, but. That's probably an endless debate for another time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, there was obviously the, the uh, third place playoff game that was also held. Did you guys have anything you wanted to say about that? Because yeah. um, Yes, I stayed up yeah. all night and watched it for some God knows reason. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was off at a party and ended up being talked into staying up all night. We watched the first half, uh, saw the p- penalty after the second minute and thought, this will be a bit of fun. And I think I fell asleep up about half time, but... Um, yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, obviously, there was, it was always going to be one of two um, ways this game was going to go. Either Brazil was going to come out and save some face after the debacle against Germany, or their spirit was really going to be broken and they'd collapse again, and they kind of did. Um, obviously, Thiago Silva. Do you, do you guys reckon he should have been given a red card for that? Yeah, I think so. He was the last man. I, don't, I reckon It wasn't a penalty, but yeah. it should have been a red card. Yeah, I reckon if that was a competitive match, about proper game like a final or anything like that, I reckon he would have been given a red card. But because it was a third, fourth playoff, no one really gave a shit, to be honest. That's my opinion on it. And I think in the end, given that it was it was given as a penalty but really shouldn't have, um, that it almost balances out in a funny way. And I guess you'd rather... At the end of the day, you'd rather give away the goal than have a man sent off, especially a captain. Exactly. Yeah, because then you would have had... A free man defence with David Luiz and Marcelo, and I can see no repercussions with that. I can't think of any games recently where that sort of defence has uh, proven shaky at all. Um, yeah. You know, they don't leak many goals at all, That you know, David Luiz. Oh, yeah. I figured out how to make him a good player. All you need to do is put one of those um, tags dogs have that they give him an electric shock when he, when he goes <laughs> over the halfway line. Yeah. He gets zapped. Yeah. Well, I think, That's yeah. it. Make him a good player, because otherwise he just goes off on runs and... He's got no defensive discipline at all. He just, he just seems to prefer to play as a defensive midfielder. Um, because I know he did play there a bit for Chelsea in the last couple of seasons. But Benitez did particularly, yeah. Yeah, he needs to sort of have it ground into him that when he's playing in centre of defence, that that's where he's playing. <laughs> it's probably compliment to Terry and Cahill, who they somehow managed to make David Luiz look good at the back. Yeah, well, that's true. It's um, a miracle. It's... <laughs> Um, any any closing thoughts on the World Cup as a whole, boys, before we um, move on to the second half of the podcast? Well, it was a success. Um, I mean, there was a few organisational issues, obviously, being in Brazil. Yeah. Um, but I think overall it was it was a success. We're, we're, we're sort of seeing a lot of big teams... Str- I think that's got to do with the long seasons, the big teams struggling. Yep. And probably, well, I'll just say this, my, my World Cup eleven probably would be... Off the top of my head, probably be Neuer, who was excellent at goalkeeper, Lahm, right back, Hummels, centre back. I'm just gonna say the German team. <laughs> no, no, no. Robin? Surprisingly, surprisingly, in the other centre back, in the 4 2 3 1, it will be Ron Blair, who I thought was okay. very excellent. Uh, left back will be Daily Blind. I can't really think of any other left backs who are quite good at the tournament. He's really just come out of yeah. nowhere this World Cup. I hadn't, I hadn't even heard of him before, um, for the World Cup. <laughs> Yeah, apparently he was apparently really crap at left back for Ajax beforehand. Then he got converted into a defensive midfielder. Now he's back at uh, left back. So yeah, 
defensive midfielder. This is probably where it came a bit hard. I need to just think probably have Mascarano as one of them. And I'll probably put Kreuz as the other midfielder. Mascarano is a destroyer. Kreuz is a very excellent passer. On the right, I will have... I'll probably put Ian Robin on the right. In the center, I'll put Thomas Muller. On the left, I'm probably thinking Lionel Messi. And... Hammers. Hammers, yes. Hammers, yep. And probably in the striker, again, probably Messi. Well, you could almost, you could almost swap Muller and, and Messi if you wanted to... Yeah, just... Let's adapt the attack. Each can play four yeah, they, can all, they can all rotate pretty well, those four. Do you have a, do you have a uh, World Cup 11, uh, World Cup 22, or is it a bit too uh, on the pretty spot? Pretty similar. Oh, obviously, I'll, yeah, um, I can't really argue too much with that in there. Um, I, I'm trying to think of the, any other standout. I mean, the standout plays were Hamez, or Jimmy, Rob, Robin, uh, Muller, and uh, Manuel Neuer, I thought were the standout players of the World Cup. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that really. I mean, there was probably a few keepers that caught the eye. I thought um, Achoa, obviously for Mexico, had a few standout games. Ospina for Colombia was pretty good. Um, Sillison was surprising because obviously going into the World Cup, I I'd assumed that someone like a Vorm might have been the um, first choice. Uh, so he he was sort of a name out of the blue that that did quite well. He's um, like so, saving penalties, though. Pardon? He's no good at saving penalties. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, didn't do so well when he was given the yeah. chance. The big ash it crosses too. But yeah, I think it was definitely a World Cup that was sort of you could define it as one that there were a couple of keepers that really stood out, and also you know, a couple of the strikers that really stepped up. As you've as we've said, you know, um, this was Messi's World Cup where he got a couple of goals. Finally, had a few screamers. Uh, obviously, uh, Hamez in midfield, Muller up forward. Even Van Persie wasn't terrible. I mean, he, he kind of had a flat period during the middle, but um, you know, he looked impressive in the first couple of games and then again towards the end. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think all up it was a very entertaining World Cup, one that we've probably been lacking for the last couple of World Cups, where teams really went out and attacked, which was refreshing yeah. to see. And it was, it, I think the best part about it was that all the, the minnow clubs, the uh, minnow teams, so to speak, such as Australia and Iran and um, Algeria and those sorts of clubs really went out Costa and Rica. Really attacked Costa Rica. They, they all took more of an attacking mentality into it. You know, nothing to lose, really. And we saw England fail, which is always funny. Yeah, it's a, a four-yearly recurrence, I suppose, or, I mean, even a bite. Two yearly occurrence because we'll see them fail in the Euros as well, but it's almost you know predictable right now. <laughs> it's always good to laugh at the palms. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I guess I'll actually ask you guys: where do you where do you reckon? Like, where's next for England? How can they improve from this World Cup? How can they back up at the Euros? Sack Hodgson for a start. Yep. Which doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Sounds like Hodgson will be sticking around for the Euros. Yeah, they've, they've announced a two-year increase, uh, two-year contract extension. Clearly, uh. something that no one else saw. We can we can say with safety that we play better football than England. I think that's something we can take away and be quite happy with. Um, and obviously, the other question is where to for Australia. Obviously, we've got the Asian Cup next year. Do you guys reckon we should be looking to win that? Pretty oh, absolutely, not comfortably, yep. but obviously, Asian teams didn't do too well at the World Cup, so no, we should definitely. It'll be, it should either be us or Japan, you'd think. And with, with the players coming back into our team, we've got Robbie Cruz coming back. Yep. He's back at training, which is fantastic news for us Aussies. We've also got, uh, well, it's, it might not happen now. Reese Williams, he's had another setback. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, it just, I read somewhere recently that he's, he was, he's not going to be back until possibly January, which is the Asian Cup. But if he's not, if that's when he's playing football for the first time after 12 months out, well, he's not going to go 
Yeah. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to the Asian Cup now. I think everyone maybe didn't rate it so highly, but now that the side's actually performing quite well uh, and there's a lot of promise for our future, I think people will be quite excited for it. The tickets are cheap too. I mean, the most ex- non-Australian games, the most expensive ticket you can get is 30 bucks. Oh, that's pretty impressive. Do you know how much the final tickets are going to cost? No, apparently they're quite expensive, I assume. But, okay. but yeah, it's... I mean, go see Japan, I mean, for, for five bucks... Uh, yeah, not. Five bucks of your money, you can go see a world class, some world class players like Kagawa, Kaisukonda. Yeah, Japan would actually be quite an exciting team to watch because they're another one that's come out with this sort of more attacking mentality more recently. Um, do you guys reckon there'll be decent crowds for those games? Oh, uh, I'm probably I'm going to the well. I know for me personally, the ones at Amy Park and when I'm going to the opening game, Australia v Kuwait. Yeah, me too. Yep, that's not, that's fully sold out as well. By the way, that's almost. Yep, I got. Tickets hear. India Terrace Australia, so Australian active supporters area. Because why not? I tried to get some too. I got I've got four tickets in category B. That's all I could find. Well, that's really impressive. I mean, I suppose that the ticket prices as well. They're really trying their best to, to pack out the stadiums, which will always be um, more welcome than you know getting half full stadiums. And I'm probably going to show up to a Japan game, which is at Amy Park. Just hi Jordan. Yeah, I'm probably just rock up by tickets on the day. I mean, there'll be plenty of tickets. I mean. Sit on a wing, sit on the center of the park, beautiful view, see some teams play some good football. I mean, for 30 bucks, I mean, you can't admit hello, that's cheaper than going to the footy. Yeah, well, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it'd do great things for the game. I mean, obviously, we haven't managed to get the World Cup. Uh, so, unfortunately, for World Cup 22 Oz, yeah. uh, the username. But, um, no, I think having the Asian Cup will be great for the game. And I think even this World Cup has done great things for the game of football in Australia because I think people are taking it a lot more, taking a lot more interest in it these days with the, the ease with watching Premier League on your Foxtel and getting along to a decent game of A League these days. I think it's all starting to come together quite nicely. And Kale with a goal, that was all over. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was just perfect. You, could, you couldn't buy, uh, marketing like that. Yeah. <laughs> that well, I've actually saw some good news too. Uh, I think this will interest you, World Cup 22, but the pre-season tournament in America has like eight teams. I've like got United, Inter Milan, Madrid, Liverpool. Oh, I've seen that, yeah. Yeah, they'll be on Foxtel for all you fans of it. Starting July 25th. So Just over a week away. Yep. Put the button on record and <laughs> watch some good footy. Yeah. Be at half-assed pace and with probably some reserve team players. I've got to say, I love the World Cup and, and, and it's a great tournament to watch and to get behind Australia and that sort of thing. But, you know, bring on the EPL. I can't wait to get back into it. And, and I'm, you want I'm, to... I'm so glad that Hull's first game's only about two weeks away because, you know, I've, it's been a long summer, I think. Well, a winter for us, but it's been a long summer of football. It feels like it just ended anyway. It's just... But then he has the Premier League for you. Yeah. A lot so, of games the perspective, isn't it? It's only been about a month and a half or whatever it's been since we lost the FA Cup final. Um, but, you know, getting right back into it already. Uh, and I guess that's on, on that note, actually, it's a good chance to um, bring up recent transfers uh, to talk about this week, with obviously the move for um, Sanchez to Arsenal being completed and Costa to Chelsea and Markovic to Liverpool. Uh, so Suarez, Suarez, Suarez should be completed today, I think, I read. It's completed. Is it completed? Because I saw he was in Spain the last thing I saw. Yeah, they just can't do the official presentation at the stadium. They have to do it in the <laughs> auditorium. Oh, there you go. And in that contract, he's earning approximately 10 million euros a year or thereabouts. 
he bites another player, guess how much he's getting docked? He get two, it's five million Australian dollars, so it's about yeah. four million euros, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting docked like a failed solid chunk of this thing if he bites another player. Yeah, I heard about the bite clause. Um, <laughs> must be the only player in the world to have something like that, I reckon. World first. Yeah. So how do you guys see the uh, new Premier League season shaping up? I think there's been a few interesting transfers, and safe to say most sides have, have done pretty well so far in strengthening their team. It's probably still too full, not too early in my opinion to get a definitive thing because the window's still open. Many Muppetry moments that will be had. I mean, I'm just continuously pressing F5 on any news site to see any news on Vidal. <laughs> it's raging from hope. We've managed to getting him to, oh, shit, we don't have him. It's fluctuating on a day-to-day basis, really. Oh, it's going to be a football fan. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that we've basically got our three major transfers out of the way already, and anyone left that we're looking to get in will be sort of younger, promising players for the future. So personally, no stress for the rest of the transfer window, I reckon. Anything from here is a bonus for us. Um, you get Nicholas Bentner? I would hope not, to be honest. I'd be happy to see him go to Villa. Because Villa must be one of the only teams in the Premier League so far that I could look at and safely say they have not strengthened. I saw Joe Cole. Joe Cole, yeah, I don't know. I got what Kieran Richardson, Joe Cole, uh, Senderos, oh, uh, someone else as well, I think, and they've just been very uninspiring signings. So it's not a great time to be a Villa fan, I'd think. Oh, and they got Roy Keane in as an assistant manager part time. He's got a fallout with everyone. I guarantee um, that. I'll give it. Let's okay, rough estimates. When do you reckon it'll fall out for someone? Uh, yeah. Oh, I give them. I give them only about two months. I'd say maybe early October to mid October. You could see Lambert getting sacked. I'd see Roy Keane having the first public falling out approximately September fifteenth. September fifteenth, just to be <laughs> just to be approximate. Yeah. Not, not giving us anything specific. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, who do you guys reckon will be the club that'll sack their manager first? Just as a general <laughs> general guess at this stage. Well, I reckon Newcastle. I'm yeah, he's got to be close to on his way out. Um, I mean, he's he's picking up a, a lot of um, some of the some of his signings have been good recently. Who have they picked up? De Jong. They got De Jong. They got uh, Jan Matt, and they got yeah. uh, who was this? This Monaco striker was just being in for an, uh, medical oh, today. Beth Tembi Gomez. Did they get him? Was Gomez, that Gomez? No, that was uh, Swansea, I think. Oh right. No, uh, no, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy. Oh, I've just gone blank on it. I'm sure NUFC Tiger could tell us, but um, yeah, they've made a few impressive signings. But I think Ashley's Ashley's just sitting there watching the years kick uh, tick down on um Pardew's contract before it gets to a point where he's happy to sack the bloke because yeah. Well, uh, there's a rumor, and I know I know someone from Newcastle that the only reason that he's um that he's still got him working for him is because he's he's in Pardew's got a massive gambling debt owed to Ashley. I actually had heard that. I heard had heard that a little while ago. Um, obviously, never sure with with those rumours how how true they are. But um, interesting to see that said again because um, yeah, that would be interesting. So he's paying. He's, if it's true, he's pretty much paying, paying to it's work. Not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably just. Oh, I mean, Sam Allardyce could get sacked. Yeah, Allardyce is another one. Oh, you also wonder with um, the promoted clubs um, whether they might, you know, get itchy, itchy trigger fingers because obviously last season was a bit dangerous in that sense because it's shown that Sunderland and Palace pulled the trigger pretty early and it actually worked really well for them. So you could actually see some managers getting turned over pretty early in the season. Yeah, I don't see Harry Redknapp leaving though. Just I'm more thinking the Sean Dyke yeah. at Burnley situation because Burnley or another one who haven't really done too much so far in the winter. Nah. 
Uh, Grandly's yeah. signings have been very uninspiring. And I only learnt the other day, courtesy of Jats, that um, I didn't realise that Vokes, one of their main strikers, was out with an ACL. So my, my big hope for them in staying up was that their partnership could uh, flourish and see them fire the team to safety. And obviously Vokes is in, out with an ACL. So, yeah, not promising signs for Burnley fans, I don't think. Um, at, at this early stage, who do you guys see winning the title? I, I think it'll be um, either... Uh, I think maybe Arsenal now. Maybe Arsenal or Arsenal or Manchester City now, I think. If, if Arsenal make, I think they're going to sign the diversity as well. I think I think they might um, come close. I mean, they they might they may end up falling apart again. But that's my tip is either Arsenal or Man City. I'm going for Chelsea. I mean, just Jose strengthening his team. I mean, Diego probably a bit still weak in the striking area, but it's Jose. You know what you're going to get from him. And I just Arsenal are probably one of the few teams you could just sign. They signed Sanchez and. Whoever else have have I signed anyone else this window? I can't remember. I think Debushi's pretty much confirmed. Yeah. But I'm still not that concerned with Sanchez because at Arsenal because he just know that he's a bit soft. Sanchez, that's the one thing I can say about him. He's a bit soft. But um, if they get Kadira as well, I think they'll be they might become a real force then. Yeah, I think Kadira could be key to them. Uh, winning the title necessarily. Um, the other one is I do see a sneaky chance for maybe not to win the title, but United to shock a few and actually climb back up into the top three or top two. We've got a proper manager in. Exactly. We've probably got, we've got, well, I mean, I think Patrice Ever has gone to Juventus. It's pretty much signed and sealed. I believe West, hopefully we can get Vidal. That would be fantastic. And maybe get Hummels or any other centre-back that's available. Because I think I know the reason why we're going for Vermaal is for cover the left back too, but again, it's Van Van Hal will probably pull, I don't know, he's, I think he's, well, he's started approximately about, as of this recording at 9.15pm, about four hours ago, give or take, but, <laughs> yeah. He's got contacts, uh, Van Hal, so, um, I'd, I'd say he'd probably do better than, Vermaal would be an uninspiring signing really, he'd probably do better than Vermaal, I think. Yeah, so I think it's just cover because centre back and left back positions really. I mean, but I doubt it's going to happen. Just personally, but it'll be kind of funny because we signed another Arsenal captain. Is <laughs> <laughs> he going to get rid of Butler? Butler complained he didn't. Oh, he's already gone. Oh, he went, yeah. went to Sorry. Russia, I think, didn't he? Yep, we managed to make a profit on him. So, would he? <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one left back at the moment, sure. Yeah, well, sure, and Ever, but Ever's. Pretty much signed, nearly signed, sealed and delivered to Italy. Uh, so it'll be interesting. And then who do you guys reckon is probably looking most in danger of going down? Just maybe one team, because obviously picking all three would be a bit difficult. I've obviously, I reckon Burnley are probably in the most trouble, to be honest. West Brom. West Brom, Villa maybe. Well, I, reckon Villa will, I reckon Villa will make it. I mean, they'll get Benteke back, which would be a fantastic help for them. Yeah, I think, I think Villa, well, yeah, um, I'll, I would say, depending on how Benteke comes, I'd, I'd say I'd have Villa... Going down. Having said that, they always seem to stay up. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be one of those sides, aren't they? But Wigan, Wigan were too, and they eventually went down. So no, it will be it will be interesting. Um, but we'll get into more detail, I suppose, as the Premier League season draws closer. Um, any final thoughts for tonight's boys? Seventy-five million to sponsor a shirt. Get in, Woody. <laughs> that's a great. Yeah, that's a great deal for United. Biggest deal in history. That's pretty good, yeah. And what about, was there a new deal for Chevrolet as well or something? I heard or? No, it's, oh yeah, Chevrolet's deal was started, which is like, 
I don't even know. All I know is someone got sacked and Chevrolet for signing it off, so that probably could tell you a lot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas I think we're waiting on a deal that'll be worth something like a million each season, so I think that tells you a little bit about the difference in size of, of various clubs in the Premier League. Um, but anyway, thanks very much for coming on tonight, boys, as we draw to a close the World Cup and start to look ahead to the Premier League. Um, and thank you to everyone for listening in. Um, and until next week, we'll see you on the forums.